Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Today, we are joined by Samantha Roberts. Samantha is the women's coordinator for campus outreach. She has been that for the past 10 years in Johannesburg, South Africa, and she is actually currently in transition to her new role as women's coordinator internationally for campus outreach and so we are catching her in the the transition and she's coming to talk to us today welcome sam thank you thanks so much for having me it's good to be here we're so glad to have you here so we're going to ask that you would just uh begin our time together by answering our favorite question of the day which is what is the one of the favorite meals you've eaten outside of the u.s and tell us a little bit about yourself too, Sam. Yeah. Um, so a bit about myself. Um, I grew up in Gary, Indiana, just outside of Chicago. Um, and I came to know the Lord um, through a girl sitting next to me in class in my third year of school. Mm. Um, and I love to tell people about Jesus from that time on. And so not too long after I graduated, uh, since the Lord led me to South Africa to go on staff with Campus Outreach, where I thought that I would be for four years, that <laughs> turned into ten. Wow! <laughs> and so, um, and so, I feel like it was just probably one of the best things for me that I didn't know that I would, you know, I didn't even think to dream of such a thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Lord gave to me so such a gift those ten years. Um, And so when I think about favorite foods, um, so there's a lot of things I can think of, like, you know, in South Africa that are like my fave favorites. Mm -hmm. But there's one that stands out, and I think it's because it involves people, um, and it's called a brise. Like, I think it's our American version of like a barbecue or a cookout, Mm -hmm. but there's usually a a specific meat that's always found there called boerwurst. And so it's like a sausage that's um, specific to South Africa. And so you like put it on a hot dog roll, um, but then you have all the other meats, whether it's beef or, you know, pork or whatever, and then you have all your sides and whatnot. But I think it's just like when you say you're going to a bride, you know Mm. that there's more than food. Mm. It's more than just about the cookout. It's about being with people, hanging out around the fire, enjoying the food. And so, yeah. So I say that's my favorite. That is yeah. so good uh, because when I when I think about that too and that connection to food and community, well, even my own personal story, I get that. But my trip to Malawi, uh, the girls and I before we moved, right before we moved here, we were on a missions trip in Malawi, uh, which is a, a country in in Africa, and that whole community connection to food, we got an opportunity to visit an orphanage. And in that orphanage, we were served something called Ensema. And Ensema is this cornmeal-based, it's almost like a putty. You, you, you grab it, but you dip it into everything. And so you eat it with your fingers. And, um, and it's, it's filling, which is why they serve it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's filling it, but it actually has no nutritional value, but it's filling. And you, you dip it into your, I think we had greens, and which would have been like some collard greens. And uh, they were all chopped up in small. And there was that. And then there was lentils. Mm-hmm. And so there, it was food that was filling. But it was also just about the community. Everybody just kind of sat on the ground. 
and you dipped your encima into your greens or into your lentils. And it was the sweetness of the fellowship mm. um, that was the biggest part of yeah. eating that meal. And yeah. so I hear yeah. you. The sweetness of community <laughs> definitely makes yeah. the meal. And then coming from a family of nine, I definitely get the sweetness of community and, mm. and the not so sweetness sometimes in our house <laughs> with community. Sweetness and chaos. <laughs> the sweetness and chaos, yes. Mine is not nearly as good as y'all's. <laughs> uh, but Sam, I come from Indiana too. So I'm Ooh. Upland, Indiana, uh, a little bit south of Gary, okay. Indiana. And I haven't made it as far as South Africa, but I did go to England <laughs> and we rode our bikes in England, enjoyed mm. that. And mine's a really solitary experience. It's not my favorite <laughs> meal because there's a lot of good things I've eaten in a lot of different places. But I thought of this because they have these very particular buttery, biscuity, cookie things. Mm -hmm. And you eat them with just the best cup of piping hot tea. Uh So Uh after a long ride in overcast, cold, but beautiful Mm. England weather, to come back and to change and to sit in my little space and look out on all this great, vast, green space around Mm -hmm. me out my window and sip tea and eat buttery biscuits. I was a fan. Oh, that's probably like one of my favorite things, Amber. (laughs) You know, I love it. I do know you like tea. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I tried to tell you about me liking it one time, and you pulled out all the stops. You showed me you do this, and you do that, and you steep it here. I was like, okay, I thought I liked tea. Wow. Never mind. No. (laughs) Oh, well, some of the fun, like y'all said, about meals are eating them together. And that's true about Bible study. Some of the fun Mm -hmm, is doing it mm -hmm. together and Mm -hmm. participating in the nourishment of the Word uh, Mm -hmm. with, with fellow believers. Uh, Sam, you know, we've been talking about the book of James in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that came up right at the beginning is talking about joy and trials, what it is Mm -hmm. to consider it a joy, not to have, not that the trial itself is a joy, but to face it and to know that the Lord's going to produce steadfast faith in us, Mm -hmm. that that is a joy. What are some of the trials that you faced during your time in South Africa in the midst of COVID? Mm -hmm. And how has the Lord taught you to face it with joy? Yeah. You know, I think that I mean, I would say many trials, you know, kind of came up during COVID. I think, uh, well, a big part of it was I came into the year knowing that I was going to be in a year of transition, um, that it would be my last year in South Africa. And so I think that the thought of having to think through that, Mm -hmm. you know, all while being in transition felt hard. And then South Africa was on one of the strictest lockdowns in the world, you know, at the time. And so, and I didn't have a roommate. And as someone who is just high extrovert, high people. Um, And I had been doing okay at that point. I hadn't lived by myself super long, maybe for a year before then. I thought, you know, what had helped me to be okay is I could just go to people's houses when I, but, you know, during COVID, you couldn't. And so I think that in as much as I had a high concern about catching COVID because I have chronic asthma, I think I was probably equally concerned about dying of loneliness because no. I yeah. thought that I w- wouldn't be okay. And I th- it just gripped me. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I remember just laying there, like as it was leading up to, I say D-Day, it was the day where the president said, this day is the day I'm shutting it down. Just laying in my bed, just being anxious, thinking, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I just think this is going to be the thing that finishes me. Like, and in my mind, it's like, I wanted to, you know, this was my 10th year there. I want to finish well. I'm like, Lord, I can't finish well like this. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to. I, I was convinced. And I think that sometimes the Lord just has to kind of bring me near, you know, like the good mm-hmm. father that he is mm-hmm. and remind me of what he's done before mm-hmm. and yes. that I was going to be okay and say, you won't be alone. Mm-hmm. 
you'll still have people, you know. And so I think that a part of being able to face that trial with joy is that he helped me early on be convinced that he's going to be with me mm-hmm. in it and that he will provide everything I need every day that I need. It, and I could take it one day at a time. And so when I look back on that season, I also think of it would get to about five o'clock in the day. And I would say, Whew, okay, Lord, we made it another day. Mm-hmm. We made it another day. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, I couldn't believe I had got through it and mm-hmm. I was okay. Mm-hmm. And so it was like that, like, uh, like I would recognize like, okay, I'm still, I'm still fine. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And then it just before long, and then when I look back, it was like, okay, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. God was so faithful. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I love that, how you talk about what you knew of the Lord before you mm-hmm. had entered into anything like COVID mm-hmm. was the assurance that you had to go into something that was unknown and fearful mm-hmm. and unexpected mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to walk through it because of what you'd experienced yeah. with Him beforehand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And He does tend to just show himself faithful in the trials, as, mm-hmm. as you were saying. And in trials in particular, I think we are, we can be challenged with our speech. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even either having a defeatist type attitude or kind of woe is me, or we can be challenged to be kind of short with people mm-hmm. and, and that type of thing. So last week we discussed the power of speech mm-hmm. and just wanting to help you think help us think, help you to help us think, how have you been challenged in the area of language and communication Mm. in your time in Johannesburg? Yeah, yeah. I think to say it like real plainly, I've learned when to shut up. (laughs) Like I've I've learned it's not, (laughs) it's not always okay. Like, you know, so I think a couple of things like just because you know something, you don't it doesn't mean you have to say it and just yeah. learning yes. timing yes. of when to say, because I think for for one, you know, in the South African culture, when you're an older person, there's almost like an automatic respect. So that's when you know, like your words, you know, they hold weight. And so people mm-hmm. people are going to listen, you know, to you. And so I think with that. Well, one, I learned in evangelism, for instance. So South Africa is considered a Christian nation. They would say 85% of are Christians. So how that would play out is when I meet someone for the first time, especially being American, they're intrigued. Mm -hmm. I could probably go through the whole, I could share the gospel and like, I could share my story. I could share the gospel. I could, but then that would be my last time seeing Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Because they would, you know, they're very welcome. They're very, but it was like. But I didn't have to say all of that then. It's not helpful. <laughs> I didn't take the time to to get to know people. And I think also I was in a new culture. And so I had to be mindful, you know, even with the women that I was discipling of just knowing when to say what to say. So I think it made me to slow down mm-hmm. and not to, like, say everything that I'm thinking, like, right away because it is it, it, not always beneficial. Mm-hmm. So I think I ha- had to be more mindful you know, and think of how is this going to be received and do I say it now or is that something I wait later to say? Mm. So That's good. Yeah, which makes total sense. It, I tend to want to speak quickly or to speak a lot because I like words and I think mm. that, you know, change is going to be affected by what I say mm. and mm. how much of it I say sometimes. Mm. And so I, I resonate with what you're saying. Mm. Just that idea to hold back a little bit and see what the Lord's going to do and when he's going to do it and maybe not be quite so quick Mm -hmm. to rush in. Mm -hmm. And I think too, when, when I'm slower to speak, like what you mentioned, then I'm, I have more space or, or more interest in getting Mm -hmm. to know somebody else. Mm -hmm. 
And part of that's even people who are on the margins, people who yeah. maybe we don't recognize right mm-hmm. away or who don't present themselves as strongly as maybe someone who speaks quite a bit. Yeah. So what is it like? What does it look like for people to be marginalized in South Africa? And what are some of the things that you've seen people or organizations doing in working with marginalized folks that have really been of an encouragement to you? Yeah, yeah. So I think of two examples. One is through my church. Um, They have a program called Rays of Hope, you know, and so one thing that's, you know, that's known about South Africa is it has one of the biggest like wage gaps or just like income gaps. And so our church is, you know, in one part of the city and you go down about five minutes and is poverty, mm-hmm. you know, and so I think to see our church in action create many programs within the townships, whether it's tutoring, whether it's, you know, providing food, you know, for those in the community. And so and seeing the whole church kind of be a part of that, you know, and so I think just seeing that on a church level. But then I feel like I learned a lot from people and how they respond to what's going on. And so I think of a girl that I disciple. Her name is Nongkebo. And she taught me a lot of what it looks like to be willing to stand on the front line for people in the margins. And I think it's someone, you know, a lot of these women, they become like my younger sisters or my daughter. So my heart, you know, is definitely, you know, I have like that mother's heart. And I remember when there was the big fees must fall protest, mm-hmm. you know, and it got so bad. It started at Vince university and went through the whole country and it got so, you know, crazy. Like there were police, there were guns, there were, you know, with the rubber bullet, all, all of that. And I remember her telling me that she was going to go protest with them and everything in me was like, no, you can't go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, please don't go. Like, and I think, and I had to be slow to speak. And I said, tell me why. Mm-hmm. Like, why, why would you go? And I still remember how I felt when I finished listening to that voice note. And it's like, I was teary and I'm like, okay, this girl is going to the front lines because she feels called by God to do what she believes is right. That there are students who are not able to get to afford to go to university and because of the fees and because of the gap and she's going to stand Mm -hmm. and I can stand with her in that, even though from afar and I can trust God that she's going to be okay. So, Yeah. It's it's inspiring. And when people put themselves on the line for, I don't know if she could afford to go to university or not, but it, especially if, if she can afford it and yet she's wanting to put herself out there mm-hmm. for the sake of people who can't. Now that means so much to her. Mm, yeah. It's inspiring to see that. Yeah. And it is often the case, isn't it, when we're discipling people that it is not a one-way teaching situation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You were learning her courage and her conviction to stand for the marginalized is yes, what James is yes. talking about. And But you're all, but you're responsible also, though, for teaching these people and mm-hmm. teaching these women. Mm-hmm. And your responsibility is only growing as you go internationally now. Mm-hmm. So... We've talked about James 3 and 1 and the the scripture's uh, sober warning to, you know, not many of you should teach. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's, <laughs> that's a weighty thing. And we talked about the weightiness of that. But how has this responsibility for teaching others shaped you and how you approach teaching the women entrusted to you? And then and, and how are you how are you thinking about it as far as your new international assignment? How does it inform how you're leaning into that? Yeah, I think when it, you know, it comes to teaching, uh, you know, in today's day and age, there's so much untruth or so many, you know, ventures away from the truth that looks like truth that's not really truth. Yeah. And so I think, 
you know, I began, and this is through, you know, learn the hard way, because you just assume everyone kind of knows, or you just, you know, but I began to do a disclaimer at the beginning of like any Bible study or discipleship (laughs) group that I started. And I said to them, hey, if, make sure that anything I say, I can back up with the word. Mm-hmm. Like, make sure I just don't want to give you guys what I think or I don't want to give you guys my opinion. But I want to be able to I want you to know that where I'm getting what I'm teaching you is from the word of God, you know, so that that can even become a practice, you know, for you that you would go to the word of God yes. because it is the source of life. It is where. So I think it helped me to take the pressure off myself as a teacher and like bring it back to the word, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff and just having an open door to like challenge, even in what I'm saying, like, you know, there's, you know, freedom comes, say, if you don't, if you don't agree, you know, and stuff, and maybe how I said what I said, or maybe, you know, just that freedom, especially in that culture, they usually don't won't come to the older person. So for me to like, kind of say, no, I want you to come to me, um, I think is big. And so I think even as I go forward, like in, like just even in the international role, just kind of, I think kind of the same thing, you know, when I'm interacting with women, um, I think just the openness to be chat, like, wait, did you get that from God's word? Or just that I'm always referring back to, to what God's word is saying more than anything, that that's just my main source. So, yeah, I mean, I think it sounds as though you were not only teaching them to ground ground their thinking in the word, but you were teaching them how to be responsible hearers mm. um, and mm. responsible listeners. One of the things I always say is, especially knowing, you know, that teachers are not infallible. Mm. Um, we we make mistakes. Mm-hmm. We have we misspeak and and all of that. Um, but uh, when when you're going to listen, well, first of all, where is that aligning in the Word of God and allowing that to mm-hmm. be? The, the lens through which you see and allowing that to be the authority by which you judge everything else. Mm-hmm. But um, knowing also that the spirit is the teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for me, how that looks is saying, you know, whoever's standing before me, Lord, teach me because of them and teach me in spite of them, because it is <laughs> by your spirit that I am being taught your truth. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that you would teach them how to be good listeners and good hearers of the word that's important so important yeah and I'm curious what some of your particular study habits are because it sounds like you take that seriously when do you find time to study what does it look like for you to study do you separate out study time for a Bible study you might be leading mm-hmm. and personal mm-hmm. you know yeah, uh, yeah. Bible study what does that look like um well I kind of you know my time in the word with me is just is I treasure it you know and it's so important and so um I don't share it I I just made a I think I I, I couldn't I couldn't separate it in that time to be thinking about teaching. And so I have just said I can't do anything that I'm really teaching on at the same time with my or making it be my main thing. Mm -hmm. Like I can do it, but it can't be my main thing or I'm doing it in a in a different way um, because I feel distracted. And I think some people can and it works great. But I find that I'm so distracted and I think I'm also stingy. Like I just want, you know, and so but, you know, but then it's kind of I'll have like a separate study time, you know, and stuff. And so but from time to time, it depends. Like when I had a group of older um, girls that I was discipling and that was my first time I broke my quote unquote rule. Um and we did Joshua together and it was amazing. Um, but 
But yeah, so I think just that's a, a habit that I that God has been gracious. I know it's just his grace that he just wakes me up. And I, you know, it's a part of what I enjoy doing. It's like my favorite part, you know, of my day is just like getting to hear, you know, from the Lord in the mornings, typically. I, I was so encouraged yesterday as we were chatting. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ladies haven't gone out to our Women's Bible Study Facebook page to see the interview with Sam, um, when I ask you about what does it mean and what has it meant to be steadfast in ministry, you talked about that picture of that weekly um, mm-hmm. or that daily time along with the Lord. Talk, mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. It's a great picture, I think, of being steadfast. Yeah, I think, um, you know how the Lord will just kind of bring a verse to my, or he'll just kind of make something real clear Mm -hmm. and it'll just keep coming up over and over again. It's funny because right now in my world, that's Matthew 11, 28 to 30, Mm kind of, it keeps Mm -hmm. coming up. Mm -hmm. I was like, Lord, you won't let me. And so I think in my first year, John 15, and apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. And it kept come every year. Like, like if you go back through my journals, I kept them all. You will see it come up every year. At some point, the Lord will bring me back to it. And I think that just learning that, like, you're here in this foreign country. You don't know what you're doing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm, mm. And I just said, okay, well, I guess I got to learn how to be a branch. You know, like, I got to learn how do I nourish, you know, myself. You know, it's that Psalm yeah. 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked, the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, nor is sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on it, he meditates day and night. And he is like a tree planted by mm-hmm. streams of water. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be planted, mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, and so I think about that often, you know. And it's not like, oh, I got to go meet with God. It's like sometimes I wake up and I mean, because there's stress, you know, there's yeah, challenges. Sure. And, it's, and it's like... Whew, okay, Lord, I got to get there. I got to, I got to get with you. Uh-huh. You know, I'm struggling. Uh-huh. I'm waking up. I'm struggling. I got to get with you. You got to set me right. Well, what I love about that is how intimate that is. it, it speaks mm-hmm. to relationship and, mm. you know, I enjoy teaching and there are times that I find myself studying, even if it's my own personal study. And I think, Ooh, that would be great to say this or to have this illustration. And I've heard the Lord say, just, don't be thinking about what you're going to say about that. Just absorb it for yourself mm-hmm. from me, as opposed to making it into something that you're going to then do. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about the passage where the disciples go out and they've been given power by Jesus to heal and to cast mm-hmm. out demons. And they mm-hmm. come back and they're so excited about it. Yes, like even the yes. demons, you know, submit to us in your name. And he says, you know, don't rejoice so much that the demons submit mm-hmm. to you, but to to you, but that your name is written in the book of life. Yes. And I just think yes. that's so powerful. It's a beautiful mm. picture what you're describing of just how much love and enjoyment mm. you have um, with that relationship the Lord's given you. Yeah. That's really sweet. So, you know, you spoke at the beginning just talking about how you thought, man, this is going to really be hard with mm-hmm. COVID mm-hmm. being shut off from mm-hmm. people because you're such an extrovert. How have you found maybe during that time, but then also outside of that time, that the Lord has ministered his grace to you through his body? Hmm. You know, um, the Lord, I mean, he's just so faithful because I knew that a part of what would help me to survive would be people, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I had people who would just call me, you know, there were two people in particular that I was convinced that the Lord had them on a roster, (laughs) 
<laughs> like, because they would take a week. Every other week. And I'm like, okay, it's about so-and-so's week. They're probably going to call me this week. Were they near you? Were they in South Africa? Not or were even. They no, they weren't close Not to Not even. No. You know, and so mm-hmm. um, so it was that. So I think those, you know, two older women in my life were doing that. And then I had a friend of mine. It was like people knew that I was concerned. And so I feel like they really love me well by checking in on me often, you know. And then I just created a bubble with a couple people. It's like, okay, I need you guys to be my people that we're just, we're going to say, we, you know, it's the only time you can, like, choose your friends and it's kind of okay and not wrong. <laughs> it's it's like, okay, you're going to be my people. Bubble. And so I yeah. did that with a family and then two girls that lived around the corner. And I think just feeling always so welcomed, I think something that, makes me feel loved that I'm noticing is an open door policy from people mm-hmm. when I know I can just pop in and I can be around. And, mm-hmm. and so, and they were family, you know, to me in that season. And I got to be a family, you know, member to them, especially as a single person, you know, I feel like I got to be very intentional, yeah. you know, with that. Cause it's not, I don't have built in people at my house. And so, um, so I think I just got to see the Lord provide through his through through the body of Christ. You know, just people would randomly, they knew that I was at home and they would send me a message. People who I hadn't heard from, they're like, hey, we heard that things are hectic in South Africa. How you doing? And I felt so loved by that. Yeah. So, yeah. Talk to us a little bit more then about what it has felt like to be single and enjoying all of these families, but I'm sure some of the struggles that come with that too. How have you found that you've been steadfast in that position in life? Yeah, um, there's a passage I, I came across in Isaiah that it talks about how the Lord sets lonely in families. Um, can't remember where it's at, but it's, I'm a visual person, so I can see where it's at in my Bible. It's right up there at the top left corner. Um, Page what? What number? <laughs> um, and I think when I look at that's the sweetness of, I think, what has helped South Africa, to, like me to be okay. And not to like, not that it's not hard sometimes, because it is. I don't have a built-in processor. I don't, you know, but. I think getting to be a part of so many families and I think because South Africa, they are so hospitable and so welcoming that even a lot of the girls that I've discipled, I've had the privilege of getting to visit their homes like all Mm -hmm. over. So Mm -hmm. South African has South Africa has nine provinces. They're like states. And I've been to all of them except one. Um, And a part of me getting to travel was because I went home with them and they're so welcoming. And Mm -hmm. so I can go there And I feel like a family member. And I think when I think of some of my most peaceful places, like where it's just kind of calm and chill, it's those places of being in this family Mm -hmm. dynamic Mm -hmm. at home with people's families. And so um, and getting to experience different cultures. I think that's that was the cool part. But I think that as a single person, like to be like to feel like I belong in so many places still, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I know that I can go to Lawrence and feel at home, you know, in Clerkstorp. I know that I can go to Nkari Mangs and feel home in, you know, Limpopo. I know that I can go over to KZN and feel home at Bongiwe's house. Like I know that there's all these places. And I think that that's, I guess the com- having community mm-hmm. has helped me to, you know, be able to remain steadfast where it's like, no, I'm not alone. Like, you know, I may be single, but I'm not like on my own. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that is such a, a powerful reminder for us in that our remaining steadfast isn't just a, a solo sport. Mm-hmm. We need the body of Christ and we need the community of one another to encourage and to strengthen and to help each other along. Thank you so much, Sam, for being with us today. It has been just so encouraging to hear your story of steadfastness um, and from South Africa. And, and we so look forward to hearing about this new role of international women's coordinator and we are praying for you and cheering you on and can't wait to uh, see how what the lord does in this role with you thanks so much for having me it's been a joy to be with y'all enjoyed it we trust you enjoyed this time to get to know samantha and we hope you will join us again next week take us on a drive or let us keep you company while you do laundry Join us next week when we will be joined by Caitlin McNair, Women's Director for Medical Campus Outreach, and Jennifer Joseph, local artist and homeschool mom, as we discuss James 3, 13 through 4 and 12, the benefits of steadfast wisdom. Hope you'll join in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings when comforts are declining he grants the soul again a season of your shining to cheer it after the rain 